you saw 246 immigrant women, most of them with extreme language barriers because that's why they're accessing services there. 41% of them needed glasses. Most of them were in their 30s or 40s trying to, to learn English so that they can access work and get jobs. And 41% of them needed glasses. I was like, guys, this program is necessary because it's just proof that it's just like, like how can you, you walk need into us. your building? Yeah. <laughs> you freaking need us. <laughs> Here we go. So welcome to Spilling the Tea. We have the first episode of 2021. Today we are joined with Dr. Emeka Nzeku, who is the CEO and founder of Nations Vision, a subsidiary Nations Health. Welcome to the show. Please give us a quick introduction of who you are and what you do. Thanks for the invite. I'm very happy to be on Spilling the Tea. I've heard so much about this podcast and actually listened to the podcast and I think you guys do great stuff, so I'm glad I could join you guys. I myself, my name is Emeka. I'm the CEO and founder of Nations Vision and Nations Hope and Nations Dental. And I'm a physician by training. Mm-hmm. And I trained actually at UFC, just finished recently finishing my residency in radiology, which is completely unrelated to what we're talking about today. But what we're talking about today is my passion, and I guess radiology is another passion. I guess. It's okay. You can brag about you know, how smart you are and you know, you can just <laughs> pump in all of your credentials, everything that you have. It's okay. I just have a degree, but you know what? Maybe I'll go back to school. <laughs> no, but please, please pump, shamelessly plug how smart you are. Keep going. <laughs> no, yes, no. It's all in the humbling experience now that yeah. I'm entering into a territory of podcasts and <laughs> Social yeah. enterprise and business and all this stuff that I just don't have any any logic about what doing. You know, most people know radiologists, people who are in a dark room and don't talk to people. So I am, well, there you go. You're breaking the cycle already. Yeah, I'm breaking <laughs> out. So do forgive me if I seem a little bit esoteric. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as a physician in training, you know, I've got a unique opportunity to see healthcare inequalities to mm-hmm. see some of the things that are just kind of unjust in our healthcare system and in our society. And I think a lot of us have a lens to just injustices in general. And a lot of us, social injustice is something that's a lot of people are recognizing quite significantly in our society. But healthcare inequalities is something that a lot of people don't really have much of a lens into. So mm-hmm. for me, working as a physician, I've, I see it on a day-to-day basis. But as a second-generation immigrant, mm-hmm. I kind of, I've lived it. One of the things that Canadians pride themselves with is that we have a public health care system mm-hmm. available to everyone. But unfortunately, that is one of the greatest myths about our nation is that actually healthcare inequalities are found in almost every element of our society, with people experiencing countless many barriers to care, particularly if they're from low-income groups, mm-hmm. they're homeless, they're newcomers, yeah. First Nations senior citizens are physically disabled, what have you. Many of those individuals from those groups are experiencing healthcare inequalities. And they're just unable to access even basic medical services for some of those groups, let alone some of the more costly services like getting your eyes checked, getting your teeth cleaned. You know, if you've got aches and pains, getting that rehabilitated, you know, getting your medications, accessing mental health services. Some of these things cost money and a lot of people don't recognize that. So that's why I started Nations Health and Nations Vision is the first offering of that. And the goal here was really, I wanted to provide a sustainable solution to healthcare inequality for marginalized populations. And I wanted to do it locally because 
you don't have to go far to see that we have a major problem here, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. in Calgary, in Alberta, in Canada. You could open up the news and see, even with COVID-19, mm-hmm. where are the predominant largest number of cases happening in Calgary, Alberta, right now? They're happening in the Northeast, where mm-hmm. you have large groups of multi-generational immigrants, not necessarily all low-income, but they might generate lower incomes than what you see in the Northwest or in the Southwest. You have people who work at Tim Hortons, people who are the you know, custodians in the hospital, you know, people who are working at Amazon or you know, helping with delivery or taxi drivers. And you know, they're the unsung heroes, really, of what's happening here with COVID-19. But they face healthcare inequalities, and COVID-19 really brought that out for everyone to see. And so we need to address that. We need to be able to provide solutions for them. However, I don't believe that we need to provide solutions for them in a way in which it's all by donation Mm -hmm. where that becomes unsustainable, you know, where we are asking the government to provide more and more money towards the solution, although that'd be the optimal solution right now, asking the government for more money to do much is probably not going to be met very favorably by our government. So, So, I mean, it's pretty tough to come up with these solutions. And I believe Nations Health has that solution, the social enterprise, getting services to others, which is funded by providing services to others and basically creates a nice feedback loop for people to provide services to those less able to access them. So yeah, that's kind of what I did full circle. And Seems easy. <laughs> Like that's a long. <laughs> was that too long? <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying your introduction was long. I'm just saying like that what you've accomplished and what you're striving for is like absolutely incredible. And so I just wanted to unpack a little bit. So Nation's Vision is the the company or the organization that you started, correct? Yeah. So Nation's Vision is the first offering of Nation's Health. It's the first phase. So Nation's first Health. Phase. Yeah. So Nation's Health as itself is the overarching concept. Like the umbrella. Okay. umbrella. And then Nation's Vision is the first company and phase. And so Nation's Vision is focused on optometry, optical, and ophthalmological services. So everything to do with eye care, eyewear, and so forth. And its mandate is essentially equitable and accessible eye care for all. That's right. essentially what we're doing. Eye care and eyewear. And why and, did you start with eye care, eye vision to begin with? So that's a really good question. And so some people might be able to familiarize with this scenario, and I can kind of depict it really quickly. But when I was in grade five, I couldn't see the board, like when I was in school. (laughs) No one told me this, but I literally was front row because I could barely see it. And I didn't know that. I didn't clue in. I was in grade five, and I'm from Calgary. And, yeah, I would literally be right up the front. And it got to the point where, you know, like I was struggling academically mm-hmm. and no one really knew why. And then finally the teacher told my parents, like, hey, I think Mecca can't really see very well. And that's why they clued in. Maybe you should go and get him checked out by an optometrist. I had never seen an optometrist up to that point. And lo and behold, actually three and four children between the ages of five and nine don't even go to see an optometrist. I've never seen an optometrist before. That's a Canadian stuff. And most of our learning, 80% when we're kids, is also visual. So you have to be able to see to learn. And actually, when you can't see well, you get headaches, your grades can suffer, people get misdiagnosed with 
you know, ADHD and certain mm-hmm. conditions. And so the first driver for me, first thing about accessibility, I was like, well, it's eye care. Most people, when they see, when they think about eye care, see, think about get going to the optometrist, they think, oh, I don't know if I can afford it. That's going to cost me money to get an eye exam. Mm-hmm. And it's going to cost me money to buy the glasses. Mm-hmm. And so those two things, particularly for an immigrant, would be barriers initially. But then we also forget one of the more important components is how do they even know that they need to go to see the optometrist? Because optometrists don't, that's not a ubiquitous concept across the entire planet, right? So if you didn't come from a place where optometrists were even a specialty, you may not even know or be aware that you have to go see the optometrist or that your children should see your optometrist, you know, every single year and that it's actually covered by a government. So these are concepts that predicate a lot of what I, the reason why I started Asians Health in general was actually our Canadian healthcare system assumes people know what they don't actually know. And as a result of that, those individuals suffer. And so optometry was one of the big hitters because accessibility was one of the big issues. A lot of people don't even know how to access it, can't access it, don't have the time to access it. Health literacy is a big issue. They don't know that they need to see an optometrist and costs was a big barrier. So I thought to myself, let's see if we can address this one first. It's something I thought would be addressable, even though I don't have any experience in eye care. (laughs) And when I reached out to the right people and partners, it seemed like something people were willing to engage with. And it's been quite successful. So that's why I started out Nation's Vision. Amazing. And so, okay, so you just said that you didn't have any experience. Like, you're not an optometrist. No, I'm not. No, you're not. So... I mean, like, you're not just going around checking people's eyes and not really knowing what you're looking at, right? (laughs) Yeah, so no. That's so no. (laughs) No. (laughs) Let's just get one thing straight here, okay? Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) So you have a team that you work with that are trained optometrists. So we have an optometrist and an optician and a certified technician. And they go out into all of our community partners, into schools, shelters and they're just an amazing team and mm-hmm. they work well together and they provide the services i just help set up the program and run the back end of things. run the ship yeah totally and so nation's vision doesn't actually have like its own like brick and mortar store you're more mobile going out into the community yeah so we're a portable office and the reason for that is because accessibility is huge right so when someone doesn't necessarily know that they need a service by putting up your store into a brick and mortar office, it doesn't necessarily improve their opportunity for them to go to your office. You know what I mean? Right. So what we're doing is we're going directly into a school. So it doesn't even matter if someone doesn't know that they need to get their kids' eyes checked. Like through our program, we help promote eye care services for all of the children. So all the school children get a little promo sheet that talks about eye care. And mm-hmm. it doesn't just promote nation's vision. It tells them, go get your eyes checked, go get mm-hmm. them checked in your local optometrist office, go get them checked wherever you can. Mm-hmm. It's free, mm-hmm. you know, free of charge, just go get them checked. And right. just that health education piece is probably the biggest component of what we're doing, actually, and we can't even measure it. And so yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that we've been doing in general, right. And it's kind of been showing some of the stuff that we've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going directly into the community and building awareness and engagement directly with the consumer, quote unquote, that would be utilizing those resources and making it easy for them to access them. Yeah. yeah. You came up with this all by yourself. That's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, shit, I wish I thought of this. 
<laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't because once you discovered how many barriers you'd run into and oh my gosh, you probably run into one of the bottles. Yeah, during my residency, I thought to myself, I was like, you know what, like being involved in healthcare is huge. I love it. I love helping out working with patients. I'm actually an interventional radiologist, so I do more procedures on actually see patients. I know a lot of people don't understand what that means, but you know, I cherish the opportunity to engage with my community, you know, like mm-hmm. being born and raised in Calgary, I want to give back to the community and I know and understand for sure that there are healthcare inequalities and it's just not, it's not fair and it doesn't need to be the way it is. Right. No. no. So yeah, here we are. Here's, here's this big experiment. We've been going for a year and a half coming on two years soon and it's working. Like COVID-19 definitely gave us a big hit, but it's working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't really stages of your business and then you're just throwing in a casual pandemic and just being like, you know what, we're gonna try and figure this out and we're gonna try and figure it overnight. How's that? <laughs> like, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so speaking of COVID, how has COVID impacted you guys? Because I know going and seeing people and being so close to people, although you are in healthcare and, and providing, you know, a service for that, you're not exempt. I guess exempt is probably gonna be the wrong word but it does, let's just have you unpack that for us. (laughs) So I'm not stuttering (laughs) over my words being like, I don't know. No, yeah, totally. So COVID-19 really gave us a shock, like it Mm -hmm. did to most businesses. But what was unique about ours, although we're an optometry service and we are an essential service, and as you probably like, you know, optometry is an essential service. So technically speaking, essential services opened up faster than everybody else's businesses. Mm -hmm. The unique thing about us is, we center almost all of our services on our partners, low-income partners, right? Mm -hmm. So schools were shut down in Mm -hmm. March and April, and Mm -hmm. so we were shut down, right? Right. You can access any kind of schools all throughout March, April, May, or June, really. You couldn't really come back. Shelters were shut down. Outbreaks were happening there. Community organizations all shut their doors. Everybody left them until they redirected their service to online services, and even our in-home optical services, all of that was shut down. So yeah, we were basically a shutdown office for almost a month and a half there until basically through a miracle, <laughs> our partners, Center for Newcomers and the Calgary Board of Education and Calgary Catholic School District worked together to help us offer our services. And essentially, we're able to go into Center for Newcomers and offer services to low-income school children again. And it was amazing. And we were able to survive through the summer. And since that time, we've performed 3,000 eye exams for low-income school children since that, like throughout this entire period. And wow. we're still afloat. <laughs> we're still wow. Here. <laughs> we're still here. Unbreakable. <laughs> yeah. And now, um, I mean, I guess with schools opening up and more and not, I mean, there's still outbreaks and there's still a large amount of cases like we we're discussing in Alberta, but it seems to be a little bit more controlled. How are you guys faring so far into 2021? Yeah, so like we've been able to connect with the schools. We've been, as an essential service, still been allowed to go into mm-hmm. the Calgary Catholic School District and Calgary Board of Education, Francophone schools. They've been very gracious to us and we're able to provide that service and it hasn't really stopped. Of course, we did lose one optometrist during this process because, you know, the real heroes of what's happening here, it's not me, it's the optometrist, the optician, the technician who are working with individuals and patients that they're a tougher group of patients to work with. They're going out of their way, going into those schools, going to places where outbreaks are happening and doing that work. Right. And yeah, I, you know, got to tip my hat off to them. And I'm really, 
I'm really happy and blessed that we have that team working for us. So I think that's really the biggest reason why we're able to be where we are is the team, like finding ways to make it possible for us to continue operating and maintain services to those, to the kids and those in need. That's what they're doing. Absolutely. Well, shout out to the team. Yeah. Shout out to the team. Go freaking team for keeping the ship afloat. (laughs) Yeah. You might've been like us in this scenario. Like when COVID hit, we were obviously it was, it was devastating everyone so much, so impacted by it. One of the things that we were so thankful for was that we didn't have a brick and mortar store that being an online store that we, you know, for lack of a better word, we were kind of thriving in this atmosphere because people were forced to shop online and stay home. So thank you for our customers for ordering and keeping us afloat. <laughs> but my point is that not being a portable optometry business and not having a brick and mortar that almost maybe would have seemed to fare in your favor a little bit. So tell us the importance of why you chose to be portable and not actually have a brick and mortar. You touched on this a little bit, but I just wanted to circle back, just showing, showcasing, like the bringing the awareness to the people that are quote-unquote, in need in the community? Yeah. So, I mean, I can touch on the thing that about brick-and-mortar versus portable. You know, the chief thing for us really is our community partners, newcomers, senior citizens, physically disabled, homeless, Mm -hmm. First Nations, they, with health literacy and knowledge of what you need to access, if you don't place importance on a certain concept or you're not necessarily aware of it or the importance of it or that you have to go do it or if it costs money, you have all these barriers, you're just not going to do it. So, us recognizing as healthcare professionals that that's something that one should receive, mm-hmm. have to go out of our way to, to ensure that it. they receive it. And it, I think the onus is on us as healthcare providers to do that because the assumption that those individuals know that they need to get it or appreciate the importance of it, it's an unfounded assumption. It just it doesn't flow with reality in that there's no reason that they should know that they have to do that. And there's no reason that they should have placed the value of, you know, if you ever get an eye exam, you could be spending somewhere around like 90 to $200, if not more, just to get your eyes checked. If you're not covered under, you know, if you're over the age of 18 or under the age of 65, you don't have any coverage. That's mm-hmm. how much money you're spending. Yeah. But that means as an individual, you have to place the importance on that and value it that way. Right. That's really tough for somebody in a financially tough situation or particularly if they're completely unaware of what it is. So essentially by us coming directly to those sites, completely removing the accessibility issue by like minimizing costs, either making it free or mm-hmm. completely subsidized, mm-hmm. we're doing everything in our power to take every barrier away from accessing the service and then right. act- provide them the service. You know right. I mean? Exactly. There's yeah. no guesswork. Here's the resources. Here's what you yeah. need to know. Here's what you need to do. Yeah. And so I was just thinking in terms of working with your community partners, do a lot of community partners like the schools and nonprofits or homeless organizations, do they reach out to you? Do you reach out to them? How are you building that community around you? Yeah, so that's a great question. So connecting with community partners is a little bit tougher than people think it is. Not just emailing, being like, hey, you want to hang out? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's not just that. You know, initially when we're like, hey, we're going to come, you'd like to be able to offer some of your clients, you know, free of charge eye exams and so forth, most people are like, mm, no, that's okay. Like, we don't really know what that's important about. Like, why do you need to give eye exams? Like, what? Like, most people didn't even know the importance of it. So what the first experiment we did was we went to Calgary Movement Women's Association in 2019 in May and started providing services there in their building. They were gracious enough to let us go in the building. We saw 246 immigrant women 
most of them with extreme language barriers because that's why they're accessing services there. 41% of them needed glasses. These aren't young women. These are, sure, they're young, but like, I mean, they're between the ages of 23 and 65. They weren't over the age of 65. Most of them were in their 30s or 40s trying to, to learn English so that they can access work and get jobs. And 41% of them needed glasses. I was like, guys, this program is necessary because it's just proof that it's just like, like how can you, you walk need into us. a building? Yeah. <laughs> you freaking need us. <laughs> and from there, I think it just took off because, you know, then we went into the schools and then 2019 and 2020, 37% of the school children needed glasses. 37%. Like those numbers, like that's, that's Calgary. That's Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Nobody can tell me you need to fly across the ocean to go and find children who need glasses. 37% of them need glasses in Calgary. In our backyard. In our backyard. My neighbors over here, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) You guys need glasses? (laughs) You know, to be fair, that's low-income schools that are selected for us by the Calgary Board of Education, Mm -hmm. Calgary Catholic School District. So these are selected Mm -hmm. schools, but that's 72 schools that we're in. And 37% of them needed, of the kids that signed up for our program, needed glasses. So That's crazy. So, I mean, like, it's, these are numbers are, like, it's just unbelievable. And that's just for optometry. We have our, our dental service that we're starting up soon, which is providing similar things called Nations of Dental. And it's the same concept. We know dentistry is even going to have more, more people. Way more. Need the service because it's so expensive. It's, and so it just proves the point. You know what I mean? It is so expensive. There was a time where... I was graduating university and I was off of my father's benefits, but I was between jobs. So I didn't have any coverage. And I was like, I really got to go to the dentist. Like I was drinking a lot of vodka slimes in my youth or my early twenties. <laughs> and I was like, I got to get these bad boys checked. And it was beyond, I didn't even comprehend how much it was going to cost. And then it was like, okay, I'll just go for a cleaning. I'll just get the, just rip out the plaque in between my teeth Okay, great, awesome, great. Here's what it costs. I was like, Jesus, Murphy. They're like, but guess what? You also have cavities. And also, guess what? You need a freaking root canal. I was like, a root canal? Yeah. Okay. So from then, I was like, so we're going to start doing a whole different regime here. But but my point (laughs) being is you just, when you're not covered, it's the first thing that you're like, I'm not going to do that. I'll just wait until I get covered. But then also not realizing how much things cost and then also realizing that you can be in your mid twenties and you can get a root canal. I was like, yeah. I thought that was just from my parents. Like they always used to be like, I have a cap. I have this, I have this. You can yeah. get that in your twenties. I didn't in know that. Yeah. Now I'm in my thirties. So I know much, much more, but anyways, <laughs> that's very exciting for nation's health. Have you like approached and gone into a school where they just like blatantly like turned you down or just like an organization and just said like, no, do not come in kind of thing. So we didn't get turned down from the schools. We just had to put together extensive proposal, go through a lot of privacy protocol stuff. And it took about a year and a half to get into the public schools. Not a wow. year. Oh, a year and a half. And then it took about nine months and a bit to get into the Catholic schools. So they're yeah. pretty meticulous about, you know, vetting out whoever's coming into those schools. I can tell you that right now. If right. anybody's ever trying to get in. <laughs> Hot tip. Yeah. Hot yeah. tip. Listen up. 
And so in regards to schools and what about like other like homeless organizations or other nonprofits was getting into those as rigorous as it was trying to get into public and Catholic shockingly, schools? Shockingly, shockingly, yes. Really? I think that you can just walk into an organization. You cannot. I um, would think that you could, but no, like, no. you know, people like you think, oh, hey, I'd like to give free glasses to and literally free glasses to homeless patients. Is that something you guys are willing to have us do? They're not just going to let you walk through the door. There's a, you know, a vetting out process. You have to give through, go through your insurance. You have to vet out all the providers. It's reassuring in a way as an individual to see what hoops and bounds people have to go through before they can get to provide services for these marginalized groups, because that's amazing. That's good. That means that there are individuals out there protecting those who are most marginalized in our cities. Right. And I'm happy to see that. Yeah. As they should. You As just think that you say the word free and people are like, come on in, I'll open the back door for yeah. you. Let's just, yeah, no, no, apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but that would be bad, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question, but you don't have to answer it or we can cut it from the episode. But if you're giving away free services and free products like eyeglasses and eyewear and things like that, or even like eye accessories, or you're, you're subsidizing those services, how does the business like Nations Health or Nations Visions make any money? Or how do you become profitable? Okay, so that's actually a really good question. So essentially what's happening here is some of our services are covered by Alberta Health. Like, So some people are aware of that, right? So if you're seeing children or you're seeing senior citizens over the age of 65, you know, on an annual basis or whatever, some people are covered for their eye care services through Alberta Health. The far majority of the patients that we're seeing in homeless shelters newcomer centers and so forth, they're between the ages of 19 and 64. Right. So they're not covered. So they're not covered. So essentially what we're doing here is the people who are covered actually ironically help us support those who are not covered just through the government funding. Through right. The billing, right. Which is shocking because nobody there paid for any service, right? Because right. the People who are covered are covered by Alberta Health. People who are not covered are covered through us taking revenue and streaming it back towards paying our optometrists and our support staff to actually continue the services for those who are not covered. It's kind of like a loop. Yeah, it's a complete feedback loop of sustainability, depending on the ratio of which he provides services to those who are not covered. Now, when it comes to glasses, however, none of that's covered. Mm Mm-hmm by the government. And so that's where our portable optical services comes in. So the reason why we have our portable optical services is essentially it helps fundraise for the provision of glasses to our clients and provision of services to our clients. Most people are aware glasses is actually where most costs are generated and revenue is generated for most optical services or eyewear services. Yeah, they're expensive. Not everyone can afford a pair of products. Yeah, your, your glasses are pretty nice, so I can tell you that right now. They're Bailey, they're Bailey Nelson. They're not oh, there anything. There you go, there you go. Yeah. There's no way that I could walk in and be like, I want a pair of Michael Kors branded eyewear. No way. These yeah. are like, they're not, they're not super cheap. I'm not going to say that they're super cheap, but they're cheaper. For sure. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need to be, I'm, I don't even see anybody. I see one person and he's a four-legged animal. Like he doesn't give a shit what kind of glasses I have on as long as I can freaking see. But anyways, yeah. I digress. But yes, yeah. you're right. 
So essentially, what we're able to do is we have a quite a large selection of or inventory of glasses. You can see it on our website, some of the frames mm-hmm. that we have. And we're constantly adding more sunglasses, contacts. We have an online shop coming on board in the next month. So essentially, what we're doing is we take that revenue and are able to support providing glasses for all those segments and patients that we're providing services to. So for example, one person buying a pair of glasses from our optometry office, which can range somewhere, you know, between whatever, depending on what, depending on what kind of glasses you get, right? So your insurance might cover something like 200. That $200 is actually helping us obtain glasses for three to five school children. Wow. So that's the ratio that works. It depends on, it depends on what kind of glasses you're getting, but that's how much we're able to, cycle revenue back towards paying for the glasses of those who are unable to pay for them. Right. The actual, like the true mission of what you're doing. So should I just like break these and throw them in the garbage and buy some new ones from you? (laughs) I wouldn't throw those things away. Those are really nice. (laughs) I should just tell Connor and Dustin guys, you need to up my benefits so I can get glasses from nation's vision. Yeah, I think I'm going to. I'm going to tell them. And you know what? Know what they need is a good old fashioned guilt trip for 2021. (laughs) (laughs) That's what everybody needs. (laughs) You know what? Well, you know, you can help us with our our marketing and our promotions one day. Hopefully, we can come up with the right way of telling somebody. (laughs) Hey, by the way, just so you know, if you don't buy your glasses from Clearly Contacts. And you just perhaps turn around and help support out your local. You can get glasses from us and we'll help get glasses for that local kid who lives beside you. I don't know. And like, you know, those are the, But those are the messages that you should be preaching. Like, especially I, from, yes. a, you know, a millennial like me, like I don't know any better. So even in terms of like consumer goods and where you purchase those goods, you know, there was a, there's obviously a whole wave of like how you can support local. But this is something that I probably would have never known outside of this conversation, knowing that oh, I, sure. you know, I could support you. I need new lenses. I need new frames, things like that. And knowing that like my one purchase that I either use for my benefits for or pay out of pocket for can then be supporting not only your business and you as an entrepreneur, but then your actual mission and helping to support three to five kids in schools or, you know, in homeless organizations or what, which have you. So I think that you need to double down on that marketing and really guilt trip people and make them feel bad because now I'm going to, <laughs> you got to talk to your marketing guy. You got to, you got to talk to your marketing guy. You got to change the whole message now. <laughs> Let's really get into people's souls and make them feel bad. I think that's really the direction for 2021. It's already kind of proving that way anyways. I mean, look at the world and what's happening. So anyways, we don't even have a marketing guy. That's the funny part. <laughs> okay, well we gotta we gotta talk to you then. We gotta talk to you. I'm giving you shit now. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny stuff. <sighs> anyway, the funny part about it all is, you know, with an organization like this, it's so streamlined that you know we've had to pare down everything from the standpoint of, you know, management and so forth. So mm-hmm. that's another reason why our optical department is so important is that as people fund this, it's kind of like if we were to do this in a different way, mm-hmm. say I said, Hey, here's this charity. Can you please donate a hundred dollars to supporting low income children getting glasses that can go so far and we can mm-hmm. go off of donations. 
every charity at some point needs some way of managing its structure, managing the charity, paying its employees, and doing it that way. By doing it in a social enterprise standpoint, we don't have to incur the same cost of management mm-hmm. in that all of this revenue is actually going towards getting the services done. Mm-hmm. And that's for me is the biggest part of it. Like we're able to do that. Now, that being said, you know, obviously there's logic behind getting a marketing person. <laughs> that being said, you know, Come on, there's, every, there's business, every business needs one of me. Come on. Hello. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. But yeah, no, but that's, I, see what that's you're, I know what you're saying. You know, that's the thing. I feel like at the end of the day, if people did know that there was a different route to supporting other people in their community, mm-hmm. other than just being like, oh, I have to donate money to them. Like, yeah. you know, there's donor burnout and it's quite rampant. And quite frankly, in the middle of a pandemic like this, when, you know, employment rates are up to like eight or 9%, you know, people are working less and people are on CERB and it's really difficult to ask people to take money that they don't necessarily have to fund services for like, I mean, that's just tough thing to ask, Rick. It's just not easy. So this is the reason why I actually believe this model is a better model in that I'm not asking people to donate money. Mm -hmm. What I'm asking is if we could use a service, you can get a service. And if you like it, great. That service that you received helped support the people in your own community. And Mm -hmm. that is, I feel like a more sustainable way to offer basically or provide a charitable cause because that's literally what's happening here. And that's, uh, I know. I hope that people can get that message and that's potentially something that might stick with people. I don't know, in some way, shape or form. There really isn't much to it. No, I know. I agree. I agree. I hope, I hope they don't get guilt trip though. I don't want to guilt oh, trip no. people. Into you it. know what? If you listen to this podcast, you're getting freaking guilt trip. That's it. I'm changing. <laughs> I'm changing every way of how I market this podcast. That's the only way. <laughs> you know what? Call me a trends forecaster, but I'm thinking this is going to be a big thing for 2021 guilt tripping for people to get them to do what you want them to do. Okay. Yes. That's, I think that's that's huge. I think what you could do is you could tell people who are currently wearing glasses to take off the glasses, (laughs) garbage. Yes. Come buy our glasses. And go go. to nation's vision, pick yourself up a brand new pair of glasses because you're going to be blind and you're going to need them. So actually, you know, one thing I forgot to mention is the equitable component. So, Another thing that's really people don't really catch on to is it's easy for us to go and grab secondhand glasses oh. or for us to grab the frames that nobody likes yeah. or nobody wanted, get mm-hmm. them donated from mm-hmm. local optometry offices and so forth, and then give them to the kids. Right. Give them right. to the homeless. Right. But that's not equitable healthcare services. Interesting. Right. So right. taking secondhand stuff, which is great. Of course, it's ama- like amazing that we can have that, have, have that excess or taking the stuff that nobody liked in your office. And that's the reason why you're, you're giving that away. Not that there's, that's anything wrong to that. It's just that, right. Like that's not necessarily, basically what I'm saying here is just because someone's low income or they're homeless mm-hmm. or they're, you know, a low income senior citizen mm-hmm. or first nations, they don't deserve something that's going to be secondhand mm-hmm. no. or or something that nobody else likes they deserve the best product right. so the glasses that we're offering are the same glasses that someone pays an amount for 
mm-hmm. it's the same pair of glasses, it's the same frames. Yeah. And so, you know, when we were at the Calgary Drop-In Center, <laughs> one of the residents walked away with essentially what would be, a, you know, $350 pair of glasses. And, you know, how empowering is that? People, yeah. that, like you said, are from like lower income, you know, neighborhoods or communities or what have you, or are residents of homeless organizations. They don't, it's not like they need to have everything secondhand or the last picked or the broken or this. And it's just like, well, fend yeah. for yourselves and, yeah. it's, you know, just be happy that you have something. Why is that? No, you know, we need to still feel empowered no matter what part of the community we're in or wherever we're at, you know, yeah. We all deserve to have $350 pairs of frames and feeling good about ourselves. And so don't you think that we would be more empowered to, you know, go live our ideal lives or, you know, work towards the mission that we're trying to have or the life that we're trying to live, things like that? No, I completely agree with what you're saying. And so, yeah, that's also not like something I almost forgot to mention, but that's actually something that I think is really key. And one of the things that we have on our website, you know, accessible and equitable services. We're not providing someone a secondhand service from an eye exam standpoint. We're bringing mm-hmm. an entire optometry office to a school, to the drop-in center, you know, or to a homeless shelter or to a newcomer center. It's the entire optometry office. It's just portable. You bring it over there. We bring our entire optical inventory. We don't mm-hmm. leave optical inventory behind. We mm-hmm. bring the whole thing there and then they mm-hmm. can choose from that pair of glasses. And it's either free of charge, subsidized, free. We're dropping our costs for those clients and using revenue from the rest of our clientele who help us provide that kind of feedback loop, essentially middle class to upper class supporting low income groups mm-hmm. to you know receive the services that they need. I'm hopeful that's something that we can keep providing, but so far it's worked and we're going to hopefully keep that going through the rest of this pandemic, hopefully. <laughs> well, I hope so too. I, I think the world needs you. I think our community needs you and I'm excited for where, for everything that you've done already and where you're going. And, you know, if you can get through 2020, I'm pretty sure we can do anything at this point. Like we can I'm get hoping. through anything. I, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. Well, we're going to wrap up this episode. How can people, how can listeners follow you? How can they support you? We're obviously all buying new glasses. That's a given. So tell us how we can keep engaging with you after this episode. <laughs> well, we do have an Instagram account. We have a Twitter account. You can connect with us on Nations Vision or nations.vision on IG. That's our okay. handle there. Perfect. And follow from there. We have a Facebook account, so you can look us up there. www.nationsvision.ca is our website. Go check that out. Check out some of our services. Contact us if you want to get an in-home optical viewing. Literally, private optical office brought to your home, so you can check out all the glasses there in the comfort of your home and mm-hmm. help support your local community. Send us an email. Connect with us. There's always ways to connect with us and help find out ways to how to support your community in a way in which you're receiving services and they're receiving services. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me on our first episode in 2021. And we will talk to you guys later. Spilling the Tea podcast is brought to you by Local Laundry. Made for creators, influencers, marketers, and entrepreneurs. Each episode, we spill the tea on new marketing tips and tricks while laundering insights from guests and hanging Local Laundry insider secrets out to dry. Wash up on your marketing, creating, and influencing know-how, and stay tuned for new episodes and weekly chitter-chatter.